Hi guys, welcome to Fitness Industry Insights, episode number four with me, Liam Sheriff from FastFit Pro. Got a bit of a different episode today because we're going to talk about something that's not really spoken about that often on you know the so-called six-figure guru programs, if you like, or any of the typical sales and marketing type coaching programs that we see out there for personal trainers. The person that I've got on the line today is somebody who I came into contact last month at a fitness conference um, and totally blew me away with some insights and analytics into basically how to keep clients longer. Now, it doesn't matter if you're in the fitness industry, whether you're a personal trainer or whatever business you have, client retention and lifetime value of a customer is so important because it's easier and takes a lot less effort and money to keep an existing client than it does to keep continually marketing for new ones. So on the call today, we have uh, the guy who everybody knows as the retention guru, which is Dr. Paul Bedford. Uh, and Paul, absolutely delighted to have you on. Really looking forward to this call. Happy to be here. Really enjoying it. Excellent, mate. So, you know, as you know, Paul, we're going to talk about retention in a moment. We're going to talk yeah. about things that you maybe see all of the time when you're doing your consultations with gyms and PTs and, and studios. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, hopefully you're going to give some insights on how people can improve the length of time a client stays with them so they can make more money. Um, but just before we get there, would you mind just taking 60 seconds just for anybody who you know hasn't come across your work before, yeah. just to kind of tell us about you, your history in the industry, and what you're up to now? Okay, so um, I started Retention Guru about seven years ago. I've been in the fitness industry 25 years, and I started as a gym instructor, worked as a personal trainer and fitness manager, and ended up running clubs, both private and public sector. But I've always been interested in looking at um, how you keep people coming back to exercise. I was always frustrated as a trainer myself mm. that people would come in full of enthusiasm and motivation, yeah. very quickly stop exercising and drop out. So I ended up studying a master's degree in exercise psychology, and then I did a follow-up in PhD looking at the application of behavior change psychology to retention mm-hmm. in gym environments. and. I spend all my time now working with operators from all over the world. In fact, I'm fortunate. I now have clients in five continents. Mm, Excellent. um, And they range from some of the very, very big operators right the way through to single sites. Mm. Um, And I spend a lot of time working with PTs and fitness staff about uh, teaching techniques on how to keep people exercising for longer. Mm. Okay. And Paul, I suppose there's a a general question then for the listeners who, who are listening now. Is this... Is retention an issue sort of industry-wide and not necessarily something that me as an independent personal trainer, if you like, is struggling with? Is this something gyms are struggling with now then? Or? Yeah, it, it used to be. So back in the 1990s and 2000s, you know, there was a shortage of gyms relative to the number of people who wanted to be members. Right. Now we've got a surplus of gyms. Mm. Um, and so competition, you know, is really ramped up. It used to be that operators didn't mind if you joined and didn't come. Yeah. Now that we know that lack of visits determines how long people stay, if they don't come in, mm. you're going to lose those members. You're going to need to replace them really, really quickly. Yeah, excellent. And I think that was something that I, you know, when I was sitting watching your talk um, back at the, yeah. the fitness conference, what I found interesting was how easy one extra interaction a month, you yeah. know, made it to keep that client. Um, and you know, we're talking. You know, because I'm, I'm big on customer service myself, so I'm always trying to keep in contact with clients, you know, every single day, making sure they're following the plans, all that kind of thing, just the basic stuff. Yeah. Um, but it, it was fascinating just to see that if you could have, you know, obviously you know the stats, but that one extra interaction a month, the difference it will make in the lifetime value of the customer. And just before we get to your sort of top tips, 
Would you sort of share your um, sort of how you feel about the lifetime value of the customer and the importance of that in in sort of today as opposed to how it used to be? You know, when we've now got so much competition, um, you know, how how much time and effort should we be putting into the clients that we've got now as opposed to trying to get new ones? Well, I think the the thing to consider is if you've already got clients, then mm. the amount of time you spend to get them, yeah. you then spend that amount of time trying to keep them. Right. Okay. Because you work really hard to get you know get someone to sign up or join a program or something. Um, you can just keep the momentum of that going with a little bit less. So even if you've got a fairly decent client base, mm-hmm. you know, being in touch, like you said, you know, trying to get in touch with your clients on a regular basis, yeah. really, really important. And the thing that I say to a lot of PTs is, there's a really simple thing, and I use it in my own business. If something changes and I need to get in touch with them, it's better that I get in touch with them before an event than afterwards. Right. So before an event, it's an update. After an event, it's an apology. Right, okay. So if I'm supposed to be somewhere at a certain time and I know I'm not going to be there, mm. if I let them know in advance, that's an update. Mm. If, I re- if I don't turn up, the first thing I've got to do is apologise. And that affects the whole scenario of the level of customer service you can give. Mm. So a simple one when, you know, if you're an independent trainer, just keep people up to date on what you're doing, you know, where you, what sessions you're doing, um, and just stay in touch with them. It's really, really vital. Mm. Um, and, you know, just any, almost any excuse, but not just sales calls. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, obviously, not to put you on the spot with figures and stuff, Paul, because I'm sure you've got them all tucked away somewhere <laughs> in documents and stuff, but... You know, is it is there any sort of industry averages at the moment in terms of how long gyms or PTs or you know are keeping clients for? Is it totally different depending on what you're offering? What sort of stuff are you seeing in your research? Well, it, it's different in different countries. It's different. Right. Um, difficult to say with PT because I've not been able to do any really large scale studies yeah. with PTs yeah. because actually they're not great at keeping records. <laughs> um, although we won't tell the tax man that. Um, <laughs> But if you look at the UK market, about 52% of members stay 12 months, which means 48% of members quit mm. their club within the first 12 months. Mm. Now, if you think about that on a national scale, there's about 7,000, uh, sorry, 7 million people mm-hmm. who are members of health clubs. Right. But losing 48%, you're talking about losing something like 3.2 million members a year. Mm. You know, there's a lot of work went into getting those 3.2 million members. Yeah. And it's actually, you know, if you could keep them an extra month within a club, mm-hmm. that would be a substantial amount of income. Yeah. And, you know, as a, as a trainer, really vital to sustain your, you know, your cash flow in a business yeah. by having consistent members, yeah. consistent users, sorry. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Paul, what we're going to do then is just quickly try and um, tap into some of your, you know, your top tips. And again, you know, when I was, you know, sitting watching the talk, I wrote about, you know, twenty-seven different things down. But (laughs) to be honest, a lot of them, fortunately, was stuff that I'd either done before or was doing. And you know, was saying to my staff, you know, who's working starting to work in the studio um is you know these are the kind of this is how i want to set it up so we're not just going to set it up as another place for people to come and train you know we need the interaction and if anything you know keeping in touch with the clients giving them the service that for me is as important in the business of fitness as getting them results because you know you kind of kind of do one without the other realistically um you know so um so yeah so if i you know if i was to say to you paul Right, setting up a new as a new trainer or as a yeah. new gym or as a new studio, 
you know, and you were going to give me three of your sort of top tips on making sure you keep hold of or I keep hold of my clients. Yeah. You know, what what would you do and what would you what would you say? The first one would be to start talking about visit frequency, how often they're going to work out. Right. Um, and the big change that I would suggest to most of what people are doing is talk about the number of visits per month, not the number of visits per week. Right. So it's the number of workouts they're going to do in a month. Because if you look at anyone's diary, yeah, it's it's got stuff in it. Mm-hmm. Now this idea that you know someone joins a gym, they can open up their diary and suddenly fit in Monday, Wednesday, and Friday yeah. into their diary it just doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. So when you're talking to members or to, to, to clients, you want to be saying the minimum number of sessions a month you want to do is four, and for new exercises, the maximum is twelve. Right. So you're offering a range. That way, some weeks they can do two or three sessions, and some weeks they might only get away with one or two. But they, over the course of a month, they've got an opportunity to make up any missed sessions. Okay. When we talk about exercising two or three times a week, as soon as you miss a session, within a week, seven-day period, it's really hard to catch up and make up that one you've missed. Yeah. That way, you're also psychologically managing them that there isn't this absolute figure of three sessions a week or four sessions a week is come in, work out, you want to do somewhere between four and 12 sessions that last somewhere between 45 and 90 minutes. Right. Um, that, that's where I'd start. I'd mm. be starting with the visit frequency. We know this, Liam. Yeah. If they come once per week, mm-hmm. they stay. If they come less than once per week, they quit. Now, okay. I know that once per week isn't sufficient to change their physiology, mm. to get them the results and the, the, the goals that they want. But it does keep that that, that behaviour, that routine behaviour of exercise in place. Mm. As soon as it drops below once per week, they start looking for reasons not to exercise. Mm. So, re- sorry, mate. No, I was going to say... A cap of 12 on it. Yeah. Not often, if they're coming too, too often, they burn out too quickly. Okay. So... Basically, what we're saying is the brand new people who, you know, aren't sort of like us who love to jump yeah. around in the gym and, you know, yeah. go and smash a session off or whatever. Yeah. You know, we need to kind of gradually bring them in and, and manage their expectations and say, yeah. look, everybody else might be doing three or four sessions a week. But what we want for you is this amount of sessions, 12, you know, in a month. If yeah. you do it, tick in the box. If you don't, then, you know, as a, as a trainer, I suppose you, you're a little bit in trouble in terms of, you know, that client's staying around. So what sort of things off the back of that then, Paul, would you do to, to increase their visit frequency? So what sort of incentives do you see that are working in the industry to get people coming into sessions, more classes, gyms, whatever? I think certainly booking them in. Right, okay. What we found is we did a big study uh, last year mm-hmm. um, on 800,000 members, and we found that when people made exercise part of a routine, yeah. in terms of, you know, Monday night, 6 o'clock, I go to the gym, Yeah. Thursday night, it's 5 o'clock I go to the gym. When that became a routine, mm-hmm. they stayed longer. Right. So people who train at the same time and the same day each week yeah. are more likely to maintain that than people who train on a more ad hoc basis. Okay. okay. So I'd certainly be trying to get people to find spaces in their diary and their life where you can say they can commit to certain times. Now, that works perfectly for PTs because yeah. PTs book times. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think what you want to do is you want to be looking sort of over the first 12 weeks of someone when you're working with someone say, let's book in your first 12 weeks. Okay. Because at least then they're thinking in their head that they're going to be the exercising for 12 weeks. Yeah. Um, 
And if they're doing one session a week with you as a trainer and one additional session, you know, that's great. That gets them started, gets them well underway. Excellent. Love that. That was a very comprehensive first tip, Paul, that was for sure. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so basically the first thing really is, is, is getting the visit frequency up and not necessarily work as we typically do as personal trainers or coaches and fitness yeah. professionals. We always try to, like you say, sell our clients on X amount of sessions per week because but yeah. really we look at the bigger picture, look at the month and see how much we can get them engaged in the full month, You know, which to me makes logical sense because... You know, if something happens at home, personally, you know, they have a big issue at work or whatever and they can't go to the gym, then we don't want them thinking that, you know, they failed that week, if you like, is it? So, um, awesome. So, um, if you were to give a second tip, Paul, we're just starting out, trying to get clients and keep them there longer, how would you okay. go about it? Um, this, this has got two points to it. This is for your selling of PT and right. for your getting, you're keeping your clients for longer. Okay. If I look at the analysis we've done again on on people purchasing personal training yeah of all the people purchasing let's say there's a thousand members of all and 10 percent purchase personal training mm-hmm. of the hundred people 10 of them will buy personal training within the first month of joining right somewhere between 20 and uh 30 percent will buy in months two to five okay and 60% will buy after month six. Okay. Now, that means that in a club of a 1,000 people, there are 60 people who will wait at least six months before they buy PT. Now, when I'm out working in clubs with trainers and stuff, a lot of them thinking they've got to pitch all the time to the new member, the new member, the new member working through the door. Mm. Um, and if they don't buy, then they'll never buy it's actually the opposite. You've probably got more potential clients in and amongst the members who are already using the club than the new members joining. Mm. So you've got to interact, but don't, you might want to sort of, I call it seeding. You want to seed the idea of working with a personal trainer by sharing information, talking to them, supporting them, up to the point where you say, look, if you ever want to accelerate your results, mm. then talk to me about how a personal trainer could help you with that. Mm. Excellent. So just bearing in mind that if you want to keep clients for longer, some of the easiest ways to do it is talk to the members who've been there for about six months. Most of them have suddenly well, have got to the point where they're not achieving the results as easy, easily as they thought they would. They're getting a bit fed up with the routineness of everything. They are potentially the biggest market for PTs. Mm. Yet most PTs are just focusing on who's joined this week yeah. and you know, being a very, you know, being very blunt and sort of say, do you want to buy personal training? Now, the challenge with that is, if they're doing it in the sales process. So, let's say I had a club and you joined, and I was trying, and I sold you a health club membership. That's a really good time to also upsell PT mm. because the member's mind is in what's called a buying state. Yeah. They're they're ideal for buying other things. When they're working out, their mind is not in a buying state. And when you approach them and say. Do you want to buy a PT? Because they're not thinking of buying it, they decline it straight away. Mm. Now, the problem for PTs is that once they've declined it, they have to be consistent in their behaviour. So they decline it again and again and again and again, even though at some point they might think it's a good idea. So just be really cautious of just asking really blunt, mm. do you want to buy some personal training sessions? Because if you shut them down, you probably shut them down for good. 
Excellent. And I think off the back of that as well, Paul, it's really interesting because if we're talking about the, you know, the bulk of our PT members coming after six months of having yeah. interaction with us, that kind of says to, to me and you and obviously everybody else that we really need to work on keeping them more than six months. Otherwise, yeah. you know, we're going to lose you know 60% of our market potentially. So, yeah. um, awesome. So, I'm enjoying this myself, Paul, to be honest. <laughs> Never mind the listeners, this is just good for me, but um, awesome. So if we moved on to your third and, and final tip then, Paul, we're trying to keep clients, we're struggling, uh, our attention's low, what are we going to do to, to, to get it up? Now this might sound a bit counterintuitive, given right. workouts right. are easier to complete and so they overachieve rather than struggle to achieve. Okay. There'll only be a small percentage of member of people who buy PT that will want to be defeated by their workout. Mm. Psychologically, if you want to get people to buy into what you're doing, give them a program, let them be successful, and say, do you know what? I think I might have underestimated your capabilities. Mm. I might need to ramp this up a little bit. That makes people feel far more positive about themselves rather than you giving them some massive hit session mm. they get four minutes into and can't complete, and then they're like, I must be so unfit, I'm so rubbish. You know, mm. We need to give people the workouts that they can do, but we also need to give them exercises. That, this is really key. The exercises in their programs, they must be able to see the relationship between that exercise and what they said their goal was. Right. So if they say, I want to lose weight, Mm-hmm. And you've got them on a Bulgarian bag in the middle of the gym floor, and they don't, they can't in their heads work out the link between doing a Bulgarian bag, if there would be one, mm-hmm. and weight loss. They will um, start to question everything you do. Right. So, so if you want to create your credibility, start with giving them things they can do and build them up. I talk about it as like learning a language. If you're new to exercise. It's going to take them a while to learn the language of exercise, the actual physical requirements of what to do. Mm. Over time, they become fluent, but that's the role of the PT, to get them fluent in PT, mm. fluent in training, sorry. Excellent. And I think probably what goes against us the most in the industry at the moment is all of the, the stuff that we see, you know, people send out these six-week workouts, the eight-week programs and all that kind of fast stuff where... Yeah. People kind of come to expect this sort of yesterday's type of result where, you know, you're looking at a fitness model who's trained 10 years, for example. So, you know, do you think that has quite a lot to, to play with people's expectations of either client, but then also the PT thinking, well, actually, if I take a slow and steady approach with this client, I might not get as good results as, you know, John Smith around the corner type of thing. So what do you think about that, Paul? I mean, is there, is there pressure on us PTs, do you think, to deliver fast results because the client expects it from watching Instagram? Yeah, um, I, think what, what, I think when you're managing client expectations, and I've done a lot of work yeah, on this, yeah. if you explain to somebody how long their body takes to adapt, right. you can then start mapping it out and saying, look, you know, your heart and lung, your cardiovascular system is going to adapt and you're going to see quite good improvements in six weeks. Yeah. Your flexibility, you can mm. see some improvements today. Yeah, yeah. Physical muscle size mm. takes longer. Yeah, absolutely. First six weeks, you know, it's all the standard stuff you learn on a NQ level two, level three course. Mm. You know, first muscular adaptions are all the neuromuscular adaptions, and then you actually get the active and myosin adaptions for the hypertrophy. Mm. When you lay that out to people and you say, this is how long the body takes to do it, no matter what training we do, people get it. And you can say, look, and you can almost 
be sort of a bit argumentative by going, there are lots of people out there offering you these really, really fast results. Mm. However, mm. you probably won't stick to this. Yeah. And if your goal is to be fit and healthy for the rest of your life, then it's a gradual start. Yeah. The only other metaphor I can give for the way in which our body reacts is a bit like um, farming. And I know that's a weird one. <laughs> I wonder where you go with this one. <laughs> right. If you want to grow a field of crops, yeah. there's no fast way to do it. You have to plant them, mm. you have to nurture them, you have to provide them with the right nutrition and there is a speed at which that crop will grow. Now, if you supplement that with the right sort of plant nutrition, mm. it will grow a bit quicker or a bit stronger. But you can't put something in the ground today and it'll be fully grown tomorrow. Yeah. Excellent. You know? And our bodies evolve the same way. Our bodies take time to change. And it is. I think a lot of PTs have actually created a rod for their own back where they've gone, you know, six-week session. Now, I would... I would suggest PTs sell their time in six, 10, 12-week blocks because people then see that there's an end to it if they want one rather than this infinite number of PT sessions they're going to do. Um, But I think in the early stages, it's like you need to learn how to exercise and put this in as a routine and we'll get the results we can get in six to 12 weeks. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because when I started out five years ago, I started... You know, like many other trainers do, group sessions, boot camps, four-week-long programs, all that kind of thing. And yeah. you know, after a year or two, everyone started kind of copying and saturating, undercutting on price, as is, you know, as, as happens all the time in the fitness industry. Um, and it was a little bit of a transition period for me where I lost a few clients because I became known as you know the four-week fat loss guy, if you like. Yeah. But realistically, now I, you know, like you said before, I'm taking the, the complete opposite approach because you know, if you've always got a good base of personal training to sell. If you then run these six week or eight weeks or twelve week programs, they for me should be your upsells and your you know your core should be your your long term client you know your clients you've had two years three years four years or whatever so um, excellent so but I think on the um, on the on the subject of farm and, and, and cornfields Paul it's probably it's probably a good time to wrap up but um, absolutely you know awesome insights and in you know for anybody who's listening I'm sure whether they're a gym owner a studio owner individual PT I'm sure they'll take absolute you know absolutely loads from it. And uh, thanks very much for your time, Paul, and hope to have you on again soon. You're welcome. Happy to do it. Cheers, mate. Take care. Bye. Bye.